0: Chapter 154 of Varney the Vampire, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume 3, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 154 The Two Sisters, Mary Stevens's Dislike of Sir Francis Varney, An Useless Suit, Disunion. There was much stir in Bath next day on account of the murder that had occurred, and everybody spoke of it. The papers were filled with it, and it was thought to have been the most barbarous murder that had ever been committed, and most active exertions were being made to discover the perpetrators of this horrid deed. All sorts of conjectures were being made as to who the murderer might be, and his object in becoming one. Gold, of course, was assigned as that. There was something terrible in the fact that this should have occurred just as the Frasers had arrived in Bath. It was startling, they thought, though they could, of course, have no connection with it whatever. While the examinations were being proceeded with, Sir Francis Varney appeared out in the streets as seldom as possible. Not that he had any fear of recognition, for that was impossible, but, at the same time, he would not run unnecessary risk, while so much was to be won. The days passed, and very many pleasant hours were spent, and the gaieties of Both were enjoyed to their fullest. While Sir Francis was their great friend everywhere, for, somehow or other, Sir Francis obtained the precedence go where he would, and they shared it with him. He pressed his suit with much ardour, and Mary Stevens appeared each day less and less inclined to accept of Sir Francis Barney for a lover. She felt a greater and greater repugnance to Sir Francis, who, however, pressed her more hardly and more assiduously than ever. However, Captain Fraser and his lady were sensible of the advantages of such a match to themselves and to Mary, for they could not believe that one so courteous and brave could do otherwise than make any lady happy. The first objection would wear away in the person of such a man as Varney. They therefore espoused his cause warmly when they found that Mary was averse to the match. "'What can be your objection, Mary?' inquired Mrs. Fraser. "'I cannot tell.' "'Surely it cannot be an insurmountable objection,' said Captain Fraser, "'since you do not know what it consists of. "'You cannot have a very definite idea, "'and possibly a little explanation may set the matter to rights.' "'I know well enough what it means.' do you dear why not tell us i will it consists of a strong dislike to sir francis i cannot tell you why but it is a very strong and yet distinct feeling what can it arise from that i cannot explain if you could we should be able to come to some conclusion respecting it but at present it appears like a blind causeless antipathy and against one so well calculated to make any female happy as sir francis varney is so extraordinary that it really exceeds belief i cannot express my regret and astonishment i cannot understand it i am sorry for it and more like ingratitude mary than i thought you capable of there are two occasions upon which you stand indebted to him for your life he risked his own greatly on the last occasion I AM TRULY SORRY IT SHOULD HAPPEN SO, SISTER. WELL, THEN, MARY, AMEND THE ERROR, FOR IF IT WERE AN ORDINARY AFFAIR, COMMON DISLIKE MIGHT PASS VERY WELL, BUT TOWARDS SUCH A MAN AS SIR FRANCIS VARNEY IT IS DECIDEDLY WRONG. INDEED, WHEN I RECOLLECT THE HORRORS OF THAT NIGHT, WHEN I REMEMBER THE FLAMES AND SMOKE, AND SAW YOU WRAPPED UP SAFELY FROM THE EFFECTS OF THE FIRE, WHILE HE WAS EXPOSED TO EVERY BREATH OF HOT AIR, HUSH, I RECOLLECT IT ALL, BUT IT MAKES ME SHUDDER can you then disregard such a man with cold dislike upon my word i am shocked at your baseness sister sister you are too severe too severe only just mary only just more than just do not turn persecutor i would not but this conduct of yours makes me feel strongly very strongly and i can hardly face sir francis Barney and tell him that one who belongs to me can treat him in such a manner Does love always spring from gratitude? It is useless to ask such questions, Mary, for I might retort by asking if such services as his always produced dislike. But Sir Francis is no ordinary man. Suppose you do not love him, which might be explicable, but then you have no other love. You are fancy-free, are you not? Yes, yes. Well, then, you have no motive for dislike, though you might be indifferent in such a case i should not have thought it possible that there could have been less than gratitude and the warmest esteem for his services and his good qualities for he has as good qualities as a man can have yes sister but that dreadful night has left such an impression upon my mind that i cannot dearest do what you desire i mean i cannot love sir francis varney what not love him because of the remembrance of his services "'You quite misunderstood my feelings upon that occasion. "'I can never feel grateful enough for the rescue from that horrible monster "'who attacked me while I slept at the inn. "'I can never forget that moment of horror and terror. "'I cannot even to this day make out the object of the intruder. "'It was not robbery, and it could not have been any ordinary attack, "'for it was not carried on in the usual manner. "'To seize any one by the arm and suck the blood from their veins— "'appears to me to be a proceeding quite unaccountable in the ordinary course of things. "'It was very strange. "'Yes, and stranger than all, it has given me a perfect horror of man in general. "'I cannot abide the thought of being married at all. "'Indeed I won't, and I hope that is enough.' "'Upon my word, my good sister,' said Captain Fraser, half angry and half jestingly, You would almost make me believe you were desirous of taking the veil, but you cannot have any reason for taking such a strong antipathy to male creatures. You must know very well that, because you have got a fright in a country inn, that all the abodes of men in the world are not filled with goblins, spirits and the like, and wicked ogres, who are only waiting to eat up young maidens. It was no jesting matter to me. I do not say but what it was a frightful reality. BUT AT THE SAME TIME, SUCH TERRIBLE OCCURRENCES AS THESE CANNOT BE SUPPOSED TO HAPPEN EVERY DAY IN ONE'S LIFE. INDEED, ONE IN A LONG LIFE WOULD BE A TERRIBLE FREQUENCY WHICH IS NEVER KNOWN, AND I THINK YOU MIGHT DISMISS THE SUBJECT FROM YOUR MIND, AS AN INEXPLICABLE EVENT, UNPLEASANT AND UNPROFITABLE TO RECALL. BUT IT HAS BEEN TOO TERRIBLE AND TOO MYSTERIOUS FOR ME TO EVER FORGET, AND, LEAST OF ALL, COULD I DO IT IN SO SHORT A TIME. "'Well, I do not expect you could forget it immediately, but at the same time I cannot see how it could affect your opinion of your preserver. Indeed, it is a strange perversion of intellect, not to say a degree of ingratitude, that is difficult, if not impossible, to understand or believe.' "'Well, I can say no more,' said Mary. "'That is very resigned and easy on your part, but what we are to say to Sir Francis Varney I am sure I cannot tell.' it appears to me that you have a childish dislike to him, one for which you can allege no reason, and therefore improper. I wonder what he, or any impartial person, could think of it, if they had all fully and carefully explained to them. I am sure I do not know, but it is usually sufficient, in a case of this kind, to say one cannot love the party, and to escape from what becomes an infliction, or in time a persecution but this is not such a case as you would appear to imagine. There is no persecution, and Sir Francis only desires that you will permit him to attempt to obtain your good will. But, knowing he cannot obtain that, speaking in the light you mean, it becomes a serious annoyance to me to think I should always be attended by a person who, on the score of having done me some services, expects me to listen to his addresses, and to accept him as a lover. It is becoming a slave, indeed, when one must not exercise one's discretion in a matter that so nearly concerns the happiness of my future life. "'You are making mountains out of molehills, Mary.' "'I have not taken the same view of this matter that you have,' replied Miss Stevens, "'and therefore you quarrel with me. I think that a great deal too bad. "'I did not believe you would have quarrelled with me upon such a subject, "'one that concerns me so much, too, as this.' "'Exactly. It does concern you, and it concerns us also, and that is the reason why we feel warmly upon the subject. Your want of motive is so apparent that it quite concerns us. We are completely staggered. What it can all end in I am sure I cannot tell. But Sir Francis must think us an ungrateful set, or at least he must believe you are actuated by the worst and most ungracious caprice, and capable of great ingratitude.' I am sorry for it, but for all that I cannot consent to marry Sir Francis Varney. I know not why, but I do. You really ought to be ashamed of such an admission, for I am sure he does not deserve such treatment. I am compelled to admit that to be true. Then why in the name of heaven should you let prejudice surmount reason, and reason that you acknowledge ought to be paramount? You know your folly, and yet you persist in it was there ever such folly come mary come you must give up this kind of nonsense you must act as i have always believed you would you must meet sir francis in a proper spirit and the result will no doubt be that you will banish all these idle fancies i should be glad to do so for they make me very unhappy well well they are calculated to do so and when you have cast them aside your own happiness and that of your friends will be much increased There was much stir in Bath on account of the murder, and the papers were filled with terrific descriptions of the scene, which some even went to the trouble and expense of producing sketches of, which, what with being badly drawn, badly copied, blotted, and printed, and being as unlike the original as possible, gave the inhabitants and strangers not a very vivid idea of the place. When, however, the details were adverted to, they were terrible enough. "'and when Sir Francis Varney entered the apartment in which he usually dined, "'he found his friends were full of the discussion. "'Have you seen anything of the murder, Sir Francis?' "'No, sir,' replied Sir Francis. "'Well, there is a dreadful affair happened. "'How horrible to think! "'They might not have been discovered at all, "'but for the neighbours breaking the doors in. "'What is it all about, Captain?' "'Why, two old women were murdered a few nights ago.' and they have but just been discovered. The papers are full of it. What, the murderers? Well, that was a quick discovery. No, no, I mean it was not discovered at all, as it is supposed, until at least four-and-twenty hours after the deed. Dear me, how was that? I cannot tell, except the old woman was an eccentric, and her shutters had been closed before for a whole day. But there were no other signs of life about the house the whole day, which alarmed the neighbors much, and they began to take precautions towards the evening to force the door, when a tall, peculiar-looking man was observed entering the house by means of a key. They observed that, did they? Yes, he was seen quite plain. It will be fortunate if he had been the murderer, because they can identify him. Undoubtedly they can. I am glad of it, said Varney, well he was seen to go in and then to go over the house because there was a light seen to travel upstairs and stop there some time and then they knocked for admission but not being answered they at once forced open the door and they all rushed in but were horrified to find themselves tumbling over the dead bodies of the old woman who kept the house and her servant ah it must have been a startling thing certainly Well, they stopped a moment or two, as was most probable at such a sight, and then they ran upstairs, believing the murderer was there. And was he there? He must have been so, because they heard him get up to the roof, and they followed, but were baffled because he threw the ladder down, which caused them some confusion, and during that the murderer contrived to escape. Well, it was quite a field of adventure, but it is to be lamented, said Barney, They were not successful in their endeavors to catch the murderer. But what is the alleged motive for the deed? They say that she had some strange fancies, and that, among others, she had all her money in the house, her capital upon which she lived, without any fear of exhausting it. It was known to someone or other, and got whispered about, and it is presumed that for this purpose the poor woman was murdered. How horribly barbarous! "'but ain't there any suspicion upon any one "'because it is usually the case?' "'There is, I believe. "'And upon whom does it fall? "'Upon a relation of her own "'who has not been seen for some days, "'and who had been known to have spoken with impatience "'at the old woman's life "'and the mode in which she spent her money.' "'That speaks for itself,' said Barney. "'So it does, but they have not taken him yet. "'I hope they will, I am sure,' "'because the whole affair is so truly horrible. "'So it is. Will you go to the theatre to-night? "'There is no ball. We can have an excellent box.' "'What do you say, my dear?' said Captain Fraser to his lady. "'I am willing. Are you agreeable, Mary?' "'Yes, I am quite content with your decision.' "'Then we are all agreed to the proposal. "'There will be a celebrated actress from London there, "'and I hope we will find the entertainment well worthy of our patronage.' indeed i have little doubt of it end of chapter 154 recording by trisha g